imagine hackers stealing data on the internet from companies? What's the first thing that comes to mind? My guess is it's probably credit card or payment information first, maybe banking, maybe credit cards, debit cards, whatever the case may be, or email addresses for spammers and scammers to send messages to. But as it turns out, healthcare databases are increasingly under attack in the cyber world, and there's some very valuable information that may not be something that seems immediately worth stealing that actually is of extremely high value on the black market in the cybersecurity space. This week, we speak with Dr. Daniel Nygren, who's the CIO of Boston's Children's Hospital. He's also an assistant professor at the Harvard Medical School. The Boston Children's Hospital actually had to deal with a pretty large cyber attack and hack from the famous online group called Anonymous. And Dr. Nygren learned a lot about why healthcare data is valuable and what healthcare facilities need to do in order to prevent these kind of attacks. He goes into some detail as to why artificial intelligence and machine learning in cybersecurity is more or less necessary for the future of digital security in healthcare uh, and what he might recommend other healthcare folks to do based on the pretty rough experience that they went through at Boston Children's Hospital. So without further ado, this is Dr. Daniel Nygren with Boston Children's Hospital here on AI and Industry. So Daniel, the question I wanted to kick things off with is getting your thoughts on what the unique considerations are for the healthcare sector in cybersecurity. You're in healthcare IT. You've experienced some pretty major challenges in healthcare IT in terms of hacking, and I imagine that your insights would be pretty prescient here. Give us your thoughts. What are some of the considerations that maybe healthcare has to deal with, good or bad, for cybersecurity that other sectors might not know about? Well, there's no question that um, healthcare has certainly evolved over the course of the last several years as a super tantalizing target for hackers who are after data. And that's largely because healthcare and patient-related data is just more valuable on the black market, unlike you know common credit cards and, and so on. Uh, that healthcare data that we protect within our systems can be used for all kinds of illicit activities uh, online. And because they represent things that are um, unchanging for people, unlike your credit card whose number can change uh, periodically, people's uh, date of birth, social security number, uh, et cetera, those kinds of things are immutable. And because of that, represent much more compelling data for cyber attackers to go after. The other really important thing to consider with respect to cybersecurity within healthcare is uh, with respect to operational disruption. Uh, one of the things that we experienced when we underwent an anonymous, the hacktivist group anonymous attack uh, several years ago was, uh, yeah, we were very focused on uh, protecting the data that, that we've been entrusted with, but we we're also really concerned about operational disruptions. So unlike other businesses, other sectors where um, an interruption in, in daily operations might mean financial loss or other you know, operational challenges, for us, uh, an operational challenge potentially can put people's lives on the line. So it sort of ups the ante a bit, if you will, and uh, certainly makes the preservation of our infrastructure that much more important and uh, you know, makes us that much more focused on ensuring that, the, uh, that these cyber attacks don't disrupt things for us. 
And a couple questions on that. So there's there's a few interesting points that you brought up. One of which is the immutableness of some of this information. You know, you talked about you know social security numbers and all sorts of personal info that is not going to change um, and that has a value on the black market. It's interesting when I find that the people with firsthand experience in in hacking and be, you know being hacked have to kind of learn you know to think like the folks who are doing it and it sounds like you're you know you're giving us an understanding of what's valuable on the black market which is kind of an interesting perspective here so this is you know this is essentially is it mostly just the information that won't change about a person that is to say i mean social security number cool address could change you know uh, i'm wondering two things number one what are the other things that don't change about a person that are really valuable and well, the, the reason I'm pondering that is because there's other industries that have data too, and maybe some of them should be wary if they're carrying similar information. And yeah. number two is is the other information about health in general of value at all? If someone's come in for some cancer treatment for lung cancer, does anybody in the black market care? Is that even remotely usable, or is that more of just like a HIPAA compliance risk that can really put the hospital in hot water, or is even that valuable somewhere? Um, yeah. Curious as to your perspective. Yeah. Well, first of all, the you know, second question first, you know, the knowing that an individual's personal health information really is probably only valuable on a individual case by case basis. If there's an individual out there who, uh, for whatever reason, you know, maybe a celebrity is, is in a, a hospital or something and there's value to getting that data, then uh, you could envision why protecting it uh, is, is going to be of the utmost importance. But when you're talking about um, large troves of data and, and not just an individual person, um, the immutable data is important because that represents information that commonly is used for obtaining things like Medicare coverage or other kinds of, of healthcare benefits. So there's all kinds of Medicare fraud um, that occurs on a regular basis by using illicitly obtained credentials about people. And so it's that information that is probably the primary reason that uh, the the information is valuable on the black market. Huh. So the, one of the primary use cases here is getting medical benefits through fraudulent means, you know, pretending to be someone else, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. There's people who have, you know, gotten uh, gotten benefits from deceased individuals and, and things like that. You know, um, that's, yeah. That's fascinating to me, doctor, because, you know, when I, when I think about this, you know, I think about you know, the rough and tumble world of cybersecurity and, you know, the, these hackers, you know, who for whatever reason I imagine to be in Eastern Europe for no lack of love of folks in, in Eastern Europe, but uh, pl plenty of developers in, in the Ukraine right now, but I know that there's a lot of action that happens out there, but wherever it's going down, I imagine these to be somewhat young, you know, pretty bleeding edge tech savvy folks, you know, a lot of the time, or at least, you know, relatively advanced skills if you're going to be hacking into you know, certainly a prominent hospital. That's it's not an easy thing to do. So, you know, I think about that crowd, and then I think about who's going to want Medicare benefits without earning them or something. And I imagine someone in Tennessee who has, I don't know, diabetes, and maybe they they don't get like a certain kind of treatment that they want, and so they want to like steal some extra benefits so they they go on to the black market. And I'm thinking to myself, man, do the people who need Medicare benefits are these the same? mega tech savvy people that know how to go onto the secret websites where you purchase this kind of information like is is that in any way that the you know uh, uh, the same market or is this other young tech savvy folks who are getting 
you know, free dental stuff by pretending to be an 80-year-old woman somewhere. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm finding it like a very rough disconnect culturally between those two potential markets. Yeah, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to understand the, the why. Clearly, there's a market out there. And I would imagine that the folks who are behind the illicit activities, they've, you know, identified that market. Yeah. and uh, are happy to fulfill the needs and uh, and provide the data. Man. So, wow, yeah, so you know, sometimes it, it leaves you scratching your head, but um, but it's certainly in demand, that's for sure. Wow. All right. Well, yeah, so who knows what the business model is? I'm certainly not getting into that business anytime soon. It sounds like it's a little bit befuddling to both of us, but the primary use case per your understanding here, Daniel, is folks who are going to fraudulently use this information to get medical benefits, whether that's medications, treatments, whatever the case may be, they're going to pretend to be somebody and get this stuff for free. Well, it's the medical benefits themselves or reimbursement for ah. um, medical care. So Okay. Okay. Got it. So that, that could be a way to kind of slough out some actual funds from the system. Oh, yeah. That, that's how they monetize. Yeah. So this the, is, okay, th this makes a little bit more sense now. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining someone going in for like, you know, some foot surgery and being like, man, good thing I was on the black market and I could make this foot surgery work. But oh, yeah. It's, no, it, it sounds it's, like, <laughs> yeah. It's less for that. It's the, it's the, it's the financial benefit that, that yep. comes with. I, I was going to say, it's tough to walk in somewhere and pretend to be an old lady, uh, you know, if you're not actually an old lady. So that, that makes a lot of sense. So you can fraudulently say, hey, uh, you know, well, I have these benefits and I have this treatment and so I'd, I'd like a check and there's probably some way of sloughing out checks from the system fraudulently. That makes sense. That seems like the same market uh, and it, you know, terribly disappointing and dangerous consideration, but certainly something you healthcare folks have to be very, very wary of. Anything else that you learned from being a target of this hacktivist group? I, I can't imagine why they would pick on a facility like yours. It seems like kind of a crying shame that they would do it to any healthcare facility at all. But was there were there any other big takeaways from that that stuck out in your mind that there really seemed like important lessons for healthcare security in general? Well, one is exactly the point that you just made, which is that um, I think prior to several years ago, Many in the healthcare industry found uh, ourselves thinking that we were we were immune to these kinds of attacks, right? Why would anyone want to launch a, a denial of service attack on a on a hospital, a pediatric hospital, no less? You know, we thought that we were um, above all that, and obviously that's not the case at all. Um, with respect to our a particular example, it was related to a patient case, a child custody case that was in the news, and and subject to a lot of uh, media attention uh -huh. and uh, and you know the the folks behind this attack just uh, decided they didn't like what they were hearing and uh, chose to uh, chose to yeah, attack us as a result so there's all kinds of, of reasons that you can envision as to as to why we might actually end up being being the target and um, so clearly the result for us was uh, a bit of a wake-up call that we certainly are not immune to these things. And now with the with the prevalence of the attacks looking for medical data that we've started to see, you know, things like the ransomware attacks and so on, I think the the fire has been lit under every healthcare organization around the world that we absolutely have to pay more attention and invest more in in cybersecurity for our sector. 
Got it. So this hacktivist group was not looking for the reimbursement checks. They were looking more for like the blackmail and or like digging into something that would be a big deal on the media. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, you take a high profile case, you know what hospital they're being treated at, uh, and you can, you know, go in there and make that turn into a really big deal by releasing information that shouldn't be released. Okay, understood. So this seems to be sort of the two major categories of of why one would be targeted. There is the general immutable information that helps people slough out checks from the government and or better pretend to be someone else because they have this immutable info. Uh, And there's the individual kind of blackmail slash big media cases, which could be, uh, again, used for bribes or just used to really bring down the name of a facility. And it, it sounds to me, based on what you've said, that those are kind of the the major, you know, uh, possible reasons for being targeted as a healthcare facility. That's right. Huh. Okay, great. Well, that's, that's fascinating insight. I'm sure the people who work in healthcare would like to know why they would be hacked. What are the major considerations, threats, benefits to these malicious parties? And that's insight that I, I think they'll be happy to hear. Um, next, Daniel, artificial intelligence sort of plays a role here now, uh, as I've learned on the podcast. Uh, whether whether I'd like to or not, uh, cybersecurity is maybe among the most well-adopted applications of artificial intelligence into enterprise. You know, it could be argued that there's some customer service stuff that might kind of catch up, but man, AI seems to be the wave of the future in cybersecurity, sort of without a doubt. And my estimation is it's the same in healthcare. What do you see as some of the major benefits to leveraging artificial intelligence, and maybe what did you have to learn through some of your research and dealing with this hacking event uh, about the considerations for AI and cybersecurity for the healthcare sector? Well, absolutely. First of all, you're, you're completely right that AI is starting to, to play a more prominent role with respect to, to cybersecurity um, and the tools that we use to protect ourselves. Uh, you know, in the past, things, simple things like email uh, filters and, uh, and, you know, desktop antivirus and things like that were sufficient, but that's certainly not the case anymore. And so what you're finding now is that the variety of, of tools on the market um, available to protect oneself use artificial intelligence to model patterns and to um, look at connectivity uh, patterns and, and, and looking at the logs and so on to be able to detect anomalous behaviors. So when that connection comes in from across the country unexpectedly, you know, looking for data or trying to, to access our electronic health record, that's a warning flag. And, you know, using AI-based systems, you can detect that. Um, or even, you know, in a more localized example, why is a certain patient whose record is available in our electronic health record system, why are 500 different doctors and nurses all of a sudden accessing a single patient's record? Mm -hmm. Um, You can envision, again, having a celebrity or a well-known figure uh, in your hospital might prompt behavior like that, which is obviously not allowed at all and and contrary to to the HIPAA guidelines we have to adhere to. So AI-based systems can certainly help to detect those kinds of anomalous behaviors and alert us to them. So we're definitely starting to see the tools evolve and and improve using these sorts of technologies. Cool. Okay. And and so it it seems as though kind of the the broad trend that we've seen, which is, hey, the next generation of, or, you know, maybe some would argue even the, the current, so long as it's cutting edge generation of 
cybersecurity technologies is, is going to involve uh, machine learning, is going to involve AI. It seems like that phase is somewhat inevitable in the healthcare space as well. Absolutely. Cool. And, you know, in closing here, Daniel, I'm, I'm curious as to some of your thoughts about what the future of cybersecurity and healthcare looks like. I think, you know, you've gone through some tough experiences, but certainly maybe have more hands-on tussle with these things than, than most folks in the healthcare IT domain. I'm curious as to your thoughts of what you think sort of artificial intelligence and uh, has to do with the future of healthcare cybersec in maybe even just the next five years ahead. What are the changes that are somewhat inevitable? Certainly, you know, maybe adoption of some of these technologies would be inevitable. Are there other things about the treatment or storage of data, the way that people interact with that data through different interfaces within the hospital? Are, are there some changes that you see as somewhat inevitable to keep things locked down and to ensure that hospitals, you know, keep as much of their information away from malicious hands as possible? Any, any major lessons to share with the audience? Well, I, I think, Dan, it, it's simply a continuation of, of many of the things that we've talked about already. It's clear that um, healthcare has become and will likely continue to be one of the prime targets for these attacks, either for obtaining medical data on people or to disrupt operational activities for whatever reason, whether it's, uh, whether it's a personal thing, attack against a particular hospital, whether it's to elicit money from the hospital. Regardless, we have to be wary of these attacks on our operations as well as those that are after uh, the data. So because of that, we're going to need to continue to, to do our utmost to stay on top of them and to protect ourselves uh, from them. And as I mentioned, I think the AI-based element to the tools is going to become increasingly important to be able to provide us with those tools that we need to stay ahead of them. Um, because the attacks change constantly. And if we continue to use our approach that, that has been used in the past of being reactive and only addressing uh, attacks once we've seen them, then we're, we're always going to be one step behind the bad guys. So I think using AI, we can do a better job at being a little bit more prospective and uh, staying one step ahead and starting to be able to detect that anomalous behavior or anomalous activity as it's happening and to be able to clamp down and shut down those, uh, those attacks before they become a problem. So I think that's the general evolution that I'm seeing and yeah. will hopefully uh, continue to see over the course of the next few years as the tools get better and better. In closing here, do you think that this will involve bringing in sort of outside consultative help around how kind of the data infrastructure might be leveraged? I, I don't know what you folks had to do to sort of modernize and, and knuckle down and really put the locks on these things. I imagine it involves, for most hospitals, this might involve expertise that's outside of their present domain. There's probably ways to get ripped off by vendors. There's probably ways to work the right way. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say again, as I mentioned before, within healthcare, we were a little bit behind the rest of the world for, I guess, a variety of reasons. But bottom line is we just had not paid as close attention to cybersecurity as we needed to. So we're definitely in a bit of a catch-up mode, and we are looking at other industries to see what they've done to protect themselves and, and lessons learned there. So for sure, we're, at least I personally, I'm eager to go outside my healthcare world to to third parties and, and other uh, verticals to see how they've addressed the problem. 
Cool. And I, I imagine other healthcare IT folks tuned in, uh, it may behoove them to do the same. So Daniel, I sincerely appreciate you sharing some of your insights here on AI and industry. And thanks for being on the program. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week. 